1: Listener questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. How's it going, everybody? Happy Friday! I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by my partner in crime, John Sheeran. John,
2: happy Friday, bud. How's it going? Happy Friday to you as well. It's been I think at least two weeks since we've done this. We got a lot of questions queued up, and let's not waste any time.
1: Yeah, we'll get right to it. Just to remind everybody, you can get in touch with us a number of different ways. You can leave your questions in the Cincy Jungle Facebook stream that's going on, the live YouTube stream on our on our YouTube channel. You can leave them there. You can call or text 949-542-6241. We've got another uh, comment thread on Cincy Jungle on the post there. You can uh, leave that up so we'll We'll be checking that. And then, of course, the Twitter accounts at OBI and Cincy Jungle's Twitter account. Um, we'll be looking at those, too. So, John, do you want to bat lead off? You want me to go? What, what are we thinking?
2: I will defer to you because I need to pick one actually. So I hope hope you're more prepared than me.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with this one. Uh, I'm connected with him on Instagram um, and it's from Mario. And I think he lives out of the United States. So he does not get to see a lot of the live stream stuff, but he said, uh, Hey Anthony, we've chatted before. Once again, a huge fan just wanted to ask a favor. I've never gotten a chance to see the listener questions live because I'm usually busy. Uh, I have an interesting question that you and John can address and answer on the show, Uh, basically going on about the Steelers. Basically, everyone says the Steelers are worse than last year. Um, They had a bad finish, but for the most part, they usually beat us. Big Ben and Najee, uh, a healthy Big Ben and Najee Harris being added. What makes everyone so confident we can beat them once or twice this year? They are always the brute aggressor with big, fast, physical guys basically playing the bully. So um, basically just kind of asking, everybody assumes that the Steelers are going to be down. Everybody assumes that they very well could finish last in the division and not the Bengals, uh, even from an outside perspective, a national perspective. Why are we supposed to believe that suddenly the Steelers, who under Mike Tomlin have never had a losing record, why are we to assume that all of a sudden the Bengals are going to impose their will this year?
2: Because they're not that good on paper. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, I, I understand the sentiment. Steelers have never been bad, or they've rarely been bad for as long as I've been alive. They've had three head coaches in like 50 years. Like, that team does not implode. They don't pick in the top 10 unless they trade up for Devin Bush. They, they are not ever at the bottom of the league and ergo go they're never at the bottom of the division and that's because the browns have always inhabited that spot or if the Bengals before them like they're much like the ravens you know they are stable of consistency and continuity and that has been a recipe for success for a long time big ben is not the same quarterback that he was in the last 15 years that defense is really good but there are some minor sore spots on there and as much as the Bengals have an issue with their offensive line and the uncertainty with that Steelers have a bigger issue because their offensive line on paper is worse right now. They have a quarterback that is on the absolute for sure decline. And we can't, no one can count on big Ben to be a productive and consistent quarterback at this stage in his career. And their only hope right now is to just lean on a rookie running back who by all accounts is very talented, but again, he's behind a very piss poor offensive line. They have some decent weapons, but again, that doesn't really matter if the quarterback is not going to be consistent and can't stretch the field with, with his arm strength that is no longer there anymore. So big men's decline and the fact that you can't always rely on your defense to be elite. That's reason for concern for Pittsburgh.
1: All valid points. I will say that just kind of tapping into some recent news and recent things I've seen on the Steelers. Number one, on the water cooler chat earlier this week, we, we relayed some news that big Ben and the new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada are getting along very well. And Matt Canada is really just kind of deferring to whatever Ben wants to do in the offense and what, and really kind of creating what Ben wants to do, what, what he does best in the offense. Look, I've never. I haven't come out this year, and all this. I, I'm pretty confident that the Bengals are going to take a nice leap this year, especially if they remain healthy. Joe Burrow comes back and does what we expect him to do. I've never come out really and said I, I expect the Bengals to sweep the Steelers this year. Could it happen? Maybe. Uh, I I just I am very hesitant to ever really fully put put aside the Steelers because of the continuity aspect you mentioned, John, with the coaching staff because they are always up atop the AFC and the AFC North in some form or fashion. I'm just not ready to say they're going to be terrible this year. I think there probably will be some regressive steps. Maybe they are more of a 500 team. There are some weaknesses that are uncharacteristic of a Steelers team, like you mentioned, the the offensive line issues. But Najee Harris has looked very good in these mini camp videos and, and clips that I have seen. They want to get back to running the football effectively and when they when they have had an effective running back, even when Ben Ben's throwing for four thousand yards, thirty touchdowns plus all of that, when they've had an effective running back, that's when this team has been at its best. And uh, you know, you can go the one or two years that Mendenhall was a decent back. You go to Le'Veon Bell, and and now potentially Harris. I, I think I think this this division will beat up on each other. Whether it's the Steelers and the Bengals or the Bengals and the Browns, I think there's going to be a lot of beating up on each other. But I'm not re- ready to say the Bengals are going to sweep the Steelers, but I see I see definitely a, a split, at least for a
2: lot of the reasons you mentioned. It's definitely a wait-and-see situation, despite all the evidence that kind of supports their inevitable decline. Um, I want to combine these two questions. We had a text from Muhammad, and we had a comment from Jason Abeza, DC, in the Facebook chat. And from Muhammad, he's asking, with the injury to Akeem Energy, who do you think would be the best fit for us to sign? from the remaining free agent vets. And Jason asked, do you honestly believe the Bengals will sign another offensive lineman before the season starts? Anthony, what do you think?
1: I think so. Who it is and what kind of quality tier. I don't know. Some other people have also kind of tag team on these questions to, to us and asked the Morgan Moses question. I don't, uh, from what I understand, Morgan Moses is working on a deal potentially with the jets to go there, which is interesting because they have a situation very similar to the Bengals in that they would need to kick a, a tackle of some sort inside, whether it's Moses himself or Fant, I think is uh, their, their right tackle. So someone would need to kick inside at some point and the Bengals have a similar kind of conundrum if they, if they go after Moses themselves with Riley reef Jonah Williams. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be the caliber of a Moses. You may, they may look at some, some final cuts, um, and do the waiver wire thing uh, a little bit later in the summer. They may kind of go with another journeyman out there. I do expect them, though, uh, to, to try and fill that void. I mean, I think they're going to give other guys some shots and some looks to try and, you know, a guy like Michael Jordan maybe rehabilitating his career, other guys getting some looks. But they like the flexibility that Agenogy gave them in the guard tackle option, kind of the ability to maybe play both. So I, I would expect they go out there. Unfortunately, options are limited right now.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like the usual suspects. I don't think it's going to be Trey Turner. I don't think it's going to be Mitchell Schwartz, who, by the way, is still recovering from an injury that should have impact whether or not he plays most of the 2021 season. Um, if you remember, earlier in the offseason, they reached out to Brett Jones and Nick Easton, who are primarily interior, interior guys. And I think Adenogy was getting talk about potentially competing for that left guard spot, that this should be an open competition between other veterans. But also at energy, I think played I mean, most of the last year at left tackle. And I think that was going to be his primary spot on the roster if he would have stayed healthy. Just the backup to Jonah Williams at left tackle. So I think that might impact who they actually go after. I think Russell Okung, who was a starting left tackle for the Chargers and the Panthers, he's still available. He's still 33 years old, but I think <laughs> he can come in and be a potential backup. Uh, Dennis Kelly was primarily right tackle for the Tennessee Titans. Again, some more tackle depth. I think that is honestly kind of a little worrisome because right now behind Jonah Williams and Riley Reef, Jonah Williams, who's obviously had trouble staying healthy Riley Reef, 32, 33 years old this year. The only tackles they have behind them are Fred Johnson and Deontay Smith. And I think we can all agree that the less we see of Deontay Smith this year, the better for his development. And Fred Johnson, I think is a fine reserve tackle, but that can't be the only one that you can comfortably rely on to come in and play for a pinch. So I think honestly, with identity with identity's injury, even though he could have been in the mix regardless here. I think they might be more interested in a tackle like Okung or Kelly. And that's on the high end in terms of available options. There, there could, there's so many other options that we don't really know about. Or really, we don't really know about that well that could be on the radar.
1: Okung or Okung, however you uh, pronounce his last name. He's he's also a little bit interesting in the aspect of, I think he, he kind of plays his own agent or at least he did in the past. Um, so, you know, negotiations there maybe. That's, that's a good bit. point. Yeah, th- I think
2: he gets paid in crypto, actually. Or he? Oh, does he? Paid in yeah, I think the Panthers ended up paying him in the Bitcoin last year. So I don't know. if... I, don't, I, I know for a fact that Mike Brown has no idea what Bitcoin is, so that might. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, uh, I
1: just remember. Yeah, a couple of years ago, he he negotiated. I think it was was he with Denver? Is that right? Um, maybe something uh, like that. Yeah, he was he was doing his own uh, negotiations. I think there. Uh, let's. Keep rolling on here. I, I let's go to this one, uh, Patrick, who is a, a an avid listener of the program, and we we appreciate his support. Uh, he is asking us a question about John's favorite position group, the running back spot. Gentlemen, I'm a low-key football fan, so there's plenty about the sport that I just don't understand. Could you please explain the Bengals and their running backs? Obviously, Mixon is the main back. Bernard was the beloved veteran who saw some action but wouldn't get the bulk of the carries if Mixon was healthy. I remember when the Bengals drafted Travion Williams. Since he jungle had plenty of nice things to say about him, I never thought he would supplant Mixon, but he could work his way to a productive backup if he lives up to a scouting report. Then Perrine joins the team bernard is out uh, p ryan is the number two williams is still there now the Bengals drafted evans who is also getting a lot of hype what's the deal williams hasn't played enough to get a feel for what he can do at the nfl level how do you develop players when you give them just a handful of touches in a season so good question there i'll I'll let you i definitely have some thoughts on this but i'll let you uh, go first with this one john
2: joe mixon's one of the highest paid running backs in the league that was the decision that they went with last season that was a decision that they were clearly comfortable with, and it was something that they worked for, and now it's reality. They need to get the most out of that investment. That's why it's part of why they let Giovanni Bernard go this offense. That's why they cut him because they were comfortable with Mixon taking on more of the load in terms of snaps and overall touches. They liked what Samaji Pirine has turned out to be in a year and a half in this offense, and again, they still have Travion Williams, and they were intrigued with Chris Evans enough at the 202nd overall pick to just make an investment in him. It's fine to have a lot of that depth and athleticism, but this is Mixon's show now. You know, you, you heard from offense coordinator Brian Callahan right after they took Evans that they want he wants Mixon on the field more. And that doesn't just mean you know him getting 20 carries a game. That's not what it's going to be. It's more just him involved in the overall you know design of the offense as a receiver, as a route runner split out wide in more pass protection situations. And that's also what they love about P Ryan too. He's a great he's great, he's a great pass protector. With Williams specifically, he was drafted the same year that Jim Turner was hired as offensive line coach. Jim Turner was the offensive line coach at Texas A&M when Trayvon was there, so he was familiar with his scheme. Now Trayvon might be on the outside looking in because you have a new running coordinator and Frank Pollock who's going to bring his own wide zone scheme, and maybe that may not mesh with what Williams was comfortable with his first two years. And like you said, you know Williams has barely touched the ball in, the, in his first two years. So now you have two backups in Evans who was invested in by this current coaching staff, P. Ryan, who signed a two year deal and Joe Mixon making more money than 95% of other run- other running backs. So unfortunately it's kind of how it goes with six round picks. Sometimes you know, there, there's promise with a guy like Ev- with, with Williams, who was just 21 years old. He was really productive at a Texas A&M, but the opportunity just wasn't there for him to ever really seize it. And, you know, it, it, it's not a given that any six round pick or late round pick in general is given a fair stake at seizing some type of role. So they have their two, three running backs right now that that should be enough to, you know, pump out a successful offense.
1: I, I'm not going to, I mean, you basically said a lot of the things that I was going to say there, so I'm not going to belabor it, but I, I do think like you, I think Travion Williams may, may be on watch a little bit because of the different staff and, and all of that coming through um, and some other, you know, some other facets. I do think Chris Evans, I mean, you gotta, you gotta maybe think about some of these guys. I mean, they brought in a Puka Williams also, who's making some waves as a, he's inexperienced as a punt returner, but he's a guy who was running back and could do a lot of different things in college and the Bengals like that facet as well. I mean, you may need to start looking at a guy like Chris Evans, by the way, go check out that interview from Ace and Zim with him this week too. Uh, you may need to start thinking about him and Puka Williams as more of kind of a, a gadget, a, um, uh, maybe even in addition to the wide receiver group in a way, maybe like a Randall Cobb type of player or something like that, where, you know, they can do a lot of different things and line up in different places. So um, I, I think I, the, the one interesting thing, and I love Joe Mixon, I think when he is healthy and he is on, he is one of the best backs in the league, but it's a it's a risky bet for the for the team to a, a year after Mixon had a significant foot injury you know it's they they kind of went all in on it again after they went all in last season by giving him the big contract so uh you know I I think he is worth it when he is death when he is healthy and he is on he is most definitely worth it but there's been a couple of injury issues with Joe in the past last year being a big one and I think that was a big reason the offense struggled but I think they have talent there they just got to be able to to creatively use it where are we going next John
2: so we had a question from Mark Fry in the YouTube chat. Are there any concerns with the new, with how the new COVID protocols will impact the team?
1: I saw a couple of these. You know, it's uh, you're talking about obviously what the NFLPA um, agreed to, I think, and and all of that. I I went through it uh, a little bit. And I mean, there's there's a big difference whether or not you are you are vaccinated or not as a as a football player in going on this year. I mean, you I I think what was what was some of the stuff, John, like you can work if you're working out in a weight room, you can only be there when there's like 15, 15 people or something like that around it. And then obviously, like the flights are different, all that kind of stuff. So they are really pushing for all the players to. Uh, get get vaccinated or most of the players to get vaccinated and not have any issues where they have to, I mean, last year was, they managed it probably as best as any other sport major sport could in terms of uh, you know, not canceling games or whatever, but they had to do a lot of different moving of, of games at some point. And wasn't there a game I think on Wednesday night at one point. And um, you know, they, they kind of did a lot of different things and I'm sure the league aside from obvious safety and people getting sick and all of that they they want to avoid um you know what they some of the stuff they had to go through but yeah i mean I, I don't know i and then you saw joe mixon kind of be a little bit outspoken on on this situation when the nflpa agreement was was come to so i don't know that there's going to be issues as it goes with the cincinnati bengals you may just uh i mean there there is a noticeable difference and how an unvaccinated player is is navigating this season, whereas the vaccinated players
2: are. Yeah, just speaking with the Bengals, I think this question is fine to answer right now because we can kind of read between the lines with what happened this week. So the Bengals were supposed to have two more uh, mandatory minicamp sessions on Wednesday and Thursday. Head coach Zach Taylor basically canceled them, saying, go home, start your summer vacation early. And when Jesse Bates was speaking with the media about um, – about what happened with that basically alluded to the fact that, you know, the team came to agreement that it, an X amount or X percentage of players are planning to get vaccinated mm-hmm. by the time training camp starts. And that was kind of an incentive to basically cut mini camp short. So I think in terms of with the Bengals specifically, I don't think that th- this is going to be that much of an issue because the vast majority of the roster is probably going to be vaccinated by the time training camp starts, which is great because like those like those protocols state, like it's so much easier for an NFL team to operate in a way that they traditionally have when everyone or most of everyone is vaccinated. So I think we can kind of gauge from that, that they're not going to have these issues with it. But I guess with Mixon, I mean, he's never been a fan of the players union. He despised um, the the collective bargaining agreement last year in terms of players holding out. So he's never really been a fan of it anyways, but we can kind of gauge that it's not exactly too happy with being quote unquote forced to take a vaccine, but that's kind of how they have to do this, right? They can't force players to, to get this vaccine, but I mean, this is really their only option, right? Like they have to incentivize it to a point where they get the most players vaccinated because the more players are vaccinated, the more we can actually return to normal. Yep, yep.
1: Uh, we'll get to uh, a handful more, uh, a lot more, actually. We got a little, little time here, but we've got some, uh, a lot of which are kind of tying together here. Let's see. Um, Brandon sent one to us uh, via email a while ago basically saying, obviously the Bengals don't feel the need to bring in a veteran linebacker. How comfortable are you with what we have now considering a majority of the time, there's only two linebackers on the field anyway. And then I also saw on the live uh, comment from Mike Jones, why haven't we signed Josh Bynes yet? So we can kind of maybe tie uh, the the linebacker conversation, maybe even – uh, well, we won't tie too many in at one time, but let's, let's, let's kind of tie in this a little bit with Mike Jones question. Why haven't we signed Josh Bynes yet? And, uh, Brandon's email talking about our comfort level with the linebacker group. I, you know, I, I think it is overall one of the weakest position groups on the team, but they invested so heavily in it last year. And I think they invested in guys that have some pretty high athletic profiles were productive college players. And I think you started to see, Especially from Logan Wilson, you started to see some improvement uh, last year as a rookie and some growth. Uh, he had a couple of of interceptions and a couple of near ones. Akeem Davis Gayther also flashed a little bit. Hopefully, Marcus Bailey kind of gets his feet back under him a little bit as uh, you know he he battled some injuries as a as a senior at Purdue and whatnot, but. Uh, you know, hopefully he takes the next step there, and, and that's kind of what you're hoping for. But again, I think the Bengals are going to mix a, a high looks with a high amount of defensive backs, whether that's kind of a three safety deal with Ricardo Allen and Jesse Bates and you know, the, the Von Bell and, and all of that. Um, and then obviously mix some things up. We, we heard earlier this week they're going to move Trey Hendrickson around on the defensive line, so maybe they, they go that front and go light, you know, go heavier on the front, go lighter on the linebackers, and maybe mask that deficiency a little bit. So, I'm not overly worried about it. I think I think you know some of the traditional linebacker roles have have gone by the wayside in more recent um, in more recent years.
2: Rarely is a defense like good because of their linebackers. Primarily, it's it, it really is just the nature of the position. Like it's so dependent on how your on how your pass rush is, and in terms of coverage, it's rarely because of your linebackers being good is why you have a good secondary and a good pass defense unit. Like even when the Bengals defense was really good, like, yeah, they had Vontas perfect for a handful of good years, but rarely was that position group. The reason why Mike Zimmer's defenses were good. They had really good pass rush and they had really good cornerbacks and just really good coverage in general. When everything else around the linebacking group does well, it, it, it enhances the play of your linebackers. All you really need is just athletes out there that just know where to be. And I think that is the potential with guys like Logan Wilson and, and Akeem Davis-Gather. It was such a huge step last year to get those guys in the building and get them worked up and eventually developed into a place where they can be counted on for more than just a handful of snaps a game. specifically with Davis-Gather. I think Logan Wilson is such a huge component with this. If they can get a competent three-down linebacker out of him, which I think he has all the skills and athleticism to become that, in, whether it's this year or next year, I think that would do wonders for them because then they would just need – you know, a handful of snaps from a King Davis Skater and then Jermaine Pratt, who's still under contract for two, from two more years. And maybe even Marcus Bailey, who had that talent. He just had the injuries with him and which is why he let or lasted all the way to the seventh round. So this position group doesn't really need a Josh Bynes anymore. As long as you have guys that are knowing where to line up and knowing where to be, that was really Josh Bynes responsibility last year to be that veteran leader. But now he's like 33 years old and he's just not getting any more athletics. So there's no real need to bring him back. And I think they made the right decisions this year to invest in defensive line and in the secondary, because when those units are at least competent, then your linebackers will have a lot more easier job.
1: Yeah. And and to your point too, if the defensive line is, We're operating at a higher level on a number of different fronts. It makes things, it makes life easier on the linebackers that they do employ out there. And I'm seeing, uh, I think you mentioned his name as well, but I'm seeing a couple of uh, other people mention Jermaine Pratt, just a guy we don't talk about a lot. Um, Big year for him. Big year for him in terms of uh, showing showing some stuff. I mean, he's flashed a little bit, but he's another guy that needs to start playing pretty well in in whatever role they choose for him. We got a call on the line, John. Uh, who's this? Hey, it's
3: Terrell.
1: Terrell, what's going on, bud?
3: How you doing, man? I'm done, man. Just, uh, this was listening to you guys yesterday with the little interview, man, with uh, – but the, I forgot her name, man. But uh, uh, Lindsay I, Patterson. I know it, I want, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. We know around town. It's just, I just don't know why my uh, <laughs> had a blank in my about. But uh, yeah, man, she kept it real. She kept it too real and thorough. And I like the way how she just kind of she she know I, it. Just she she know her stuff really though well, and, and um, I just like the way how uh, she just kept it real with just uh, the bad, the good, and the ugly. But my, uh, what I was really gonna say was, uh, dang, I'm I, I with y'all. I really do hope they keep four running backs with the uh, poker Williams and um, Chris uh, Evans. Hmm. Um, they more than just running backs; they receivers too, and they play special teams too. Um, I, I I take them over uh, Mike Thomas um, and Trent uh, Trent Williams. I think I think the those names, uh, Trent Williams. Are you uh, Trent Trent Tr- 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 Irwin? Is that what you mean? No, the receiver, the smile receiver, dude. Oh, Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> T- yeah. Taylor Trent yeah, Taylor. Yeah, Yeah, I'll
1: take, and then he's I'll
3: take them to the running backs over Trent Taylor and Mike. Hmm.
1: Well, it, it, the decision may come down to that. Uh, you know, in terms of the Bengals, how how will they get creative with some of these roster spots on that on that episode you talked about where we interviewed Lindsey afterward? We talked about the cornerback group where the Bengals may need to get. Creative with you know a guy like uh, does does Ricardo Allen take up a dual spot and then of course you know you're we're talking about the running backs and do you do you hang on to Puka Williams and Chris and, and, Chris Evans and, and you know maybe go a little bit lighter at wide receiver but right now John I think um, uh, Taylor has the inside track on the punt return gig I, I mean it's early and I just
3: want to say that I already did have high hopes for a Danji I hope he get back the- uh, well soon. Um I and another thing I really wanted to say is what if everything go right and we win ten 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 um ten games and we sneak into the playoffs at the wild ball, number seven, whatever, and we be like the uh the uh the like the Atlanta Hawks or the NFL and and Joe Burrow come up big and big time moments and stuff like that. What if, what if that do happen? And and we'll turn around
1: and be like, well, I guess it's the past. Let's be in work. I guess so. Well, that's the hope, Terrell. And we'll uh we'll take some of these comments and questions off the air. Always good to hear from you, buddy. Appreciate you calling in, man. I have will. a good I Have will. a good weekend. Um. So, I I think he unfortunately couldn't couldn't hear you, John. But uh, when I was asking about the Trent Taylor, so we'll talk about that. But. Um, I mean, the hope is that the, the Bengals end up surprising some people like what he's talking about, getting that maybe sneaking into a wild card, especially since they've expanded the playoffs and expanded the season there. Who knows what what happens with some of the records? But I think improvements, the name of the game this year and getting to be very competitive is the name of the game in year three. But let's go back real quick. Trent, you you were talking Trent Taylor. I think Darren Simmons kind of says he's got the, the front. Uh, he's the front runner for the punt return job right now. Right.
2: When does everything go right? I've been asking myself that for a little while, but um, <laughs> yeah, Trent Taylor has the inside track because he's got 49 career pump returns and Darius Phillips has five and Puka Williams has zero going back to his Kansas days. I think it's very similar to, I guess, the, the guard situation, right? We all kind of assume that Jackson Carmen is going to take hold of one of those spots because he's got the more raw talent. And that could be the case when comparing Puka Williams to Trent Taylor but right now you value experience in, in these times just to make sure that you minimize mistakes, but you're still going to give those guys chances to, you know, show that potential. And I think that's also what Simmons says. Like he's got the ability to be electric in, in that sense. And I think that's why I think Taylor said, or I think it was Jeff Hobson who wrote that they were like working him out at receiver, which is, it makes all the sense in the world. He's 5'9", 170. He's a slot receiver. So at roster spot, that sixth or seventh receiver spot could very well come down to either Trent Taylor or Puka Williams. That might be the way that Williams makes the roster. The more he can do, the better. And if he proves to be like that electric pump returner compared to a stable, reliable option in Trent Taylor, that might be his option. It could very well be like 2016, where they had Brandon Tate still. They signed Alex Erickson as a college free agent. Erickson literally ran away with that job in the 2016 preseason. Now there's going to be three preseason games this year to really um, give that opportunity for Williams, which is unfortunately what rookies didn't have last year.
1: We had a couple other calls that unfortunately we did not get to, but if you are so inclined, we'll be here for a few more minutes. Give us a call again, 949-542-6241. Shoot us a text. We'll try and get some more questions of yours on the air before we continue on. And I'll let you pick the next one there, John. Let's tell the folks about Symbol. The I, mean, I got a different graphic to share this time, John. A oh, wow. The Yeah, it's actually the website. We talk about the website and where to go symbol.app backslash obi so it is the stock markets for sports where you can trade sports teams like stocks and the cincinnati Bengals are an interesting one i don't i didn't do my homework properly and see where the bangles are valued at at this present time. But uh, I know they are valued a little higher than our other graphic, uh, which was $25 a share. But basically, you can go on here, you can buy shares of the Bengals. And hopefully, uh, if you choose to sell them, hopefully you make a little money out of it. Right, John?
2: Absolutely. And I think Symbol had a major announcement uh, yesterday uh, after we or in the day between our weekly show and now, starting July 1st symbol will start symbol college football so i know we have a lot of bearcats and buckeyes fans in in the in our listenership so now you know if you feel confident about the buckeyes or the bearcats they will be on symbols open market starting july 1st along with every nfl mlb and nba team it really is that simple guys it's the stock market for professional american sports prices change based on activity from you guys and, and who gets invested in who gets sold And right now the market is very much booming to the point where college football is now entering the chat. So if you guys Mm -hmm. want to get started, visit www.symbol.app. That's www.simbull.app backslash OBI. Get that $10 deposit bonus. Get in on some college football action too, starting July 1st.
1: Good stuff. Where are we going next, John?
2: So I wanted to get to a question on Twitter from our good friend, Logie Baker 513. And real quick, Uh, I haven't really done this in a while, but uh, Logie and his wife anna they run a photography business called life book F- photography you can find them on instagram at life book photos and life photography my pixie set.com they do great personalized photo shoots ex- Logie actually did some fr- some professional headshots for me a couple years really? ago it's been a, yeah it, it's, it's actually my profile picture on twitter awesome. and on instagram for a lot of my socials but he does a fantastic job he's really good at, at what he does and him and his wife Anna, um, you know, lifelong couple. They do a great job with very personalized shots. So if you did, if you guys want to check them out in the Southwest Ohio region, go to lifebookphotography.mypixieset.com and find them on Instagram at lifebookphotos. But Logie was asking about our old friend, his old friend specifically, Andy mm-hmm. Dalton. Um, do you feel so? He's it was a long-winded question, but essentially, do the Bengals get Andy Dalton benched in Week Two, or does he even play in Week Two?
1: Well, first of all, just real quick, very cool story. I, I don't I don't think I was aware that he did those headshots for you, John. That's really cool. And that just kind of a, a total sidebar from answering his question. I think it's very cool, this network of Bengals fans that have kind of come together. We had Dalton create our new logos for the show. Uh, he did that for us. Logie's doing some work for you there on the headshot front and, you know, Bengal Jim's got this big thing that he's doing this weekend, uh, going the, the March to the hall there. So just, it's just really cool how we've all kind of connected and done different things with each other. It's, it's pretty neat. But the question was, do, do I believe that the Bengals will force Andy Dalton to the bench in week two? Is that, is
2: that kind of the, the, the crux of it? So, so I, I reached out on Twitter, asked for personal questions this time because it's June, it's the offseason, right, it's not that much right. stuff to talk, but he, he still managed to make it very personal for him because he loves Andy Dalton. And <laughs> that was his boy for nine right. years. So, yeah, I, I guess it's like, does he start week two or does he start and do the Bengals blow out the Bears so much that he gets benched? And that's the start of Justin Fields. Like, well, how, how do we see that happening right now, three months um, in the future?
1: Unfortunately for Andy Dalton, I think Justin Fields is probably going to be starting football games at some point this season because last year the bears were pretty competitive and they bounced back and forth between quarterbacks throughout the year between Trubisky and what, who was the other one? Foles, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, they were, they were bouncing back and forth there. And then, you know, I Dalton was a backup in Dallas before Dak Prescott got injured and there was kind of some ups and downs there. He played pretty well against the Bengals, but um, you know, I, I just, I think probably, We'll see Dalton at the at the beginning of the season, but I think probably the, the Bears will be in the mix, but they're not probably going to be as thrilled with Andy Dalton. I don't think the Bengals will force him to the bench, at least not that early. But I think that maybe if the Bears lose that game, I think that's when the conversation starts, and I think that's when the chatter starts to get really loud for for Fields to come on and start games for him.
2: I said this like right after the Bears traded up for Fields, like there was obviously a conversation about, Oh, poor Andy Dalton. You know, the bears declared him as QB one in March because they lost out on Russell Wilson. And they tried to save face by claiming a 33 year old Andy Dalton was the answer to their perpetual quarterback issues. Like, I mean, I have no beef with Andy Dalton, but I mean, the guy's a 10 year vet. He started for eight, eight, nine years in Cincinnati. He he almost earned like a hundred million dollars in his time in Cincinnati At, at this point. Like, I don't really feel sorry for him. And I guess that's kind of like kind of crude, but you know, he just is who he is at this point. He's just, a decent quarterback that can give you a couple starts, but there's no reason why anyone should be holding on to him having success at Chicago when they have their most talented quarterback, maybe in franchise history in Justin Fields. I think that relationship is actually forming right now. Like there's, there's only a handful of other quarterbacks. I would rather have my quarterback learning from in, in terms of veteran backup and Andy Dalton. Yeah, so I think yeah. him, his presence there has value, but I really don't see why Fields has to wait on the bench for, any amount of time like it wouldn't surprise me if dalton is out there week one for the bears but i think it, it's probably the smarter decision to just put fields out there sooner than later i don't think that's gonna i don't think like he's gonna get benched i don't think dalton's going to start and get benched against this former team in week two with what which is what logie asked but i in just in general I, I just think that it you just got to put fields out there as soon as possible this is the bears give them something to be excited about they haven't had a good quarterback since ever I don't know. I, I don't.
1: Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, you. Some people would say McMahon in the '80s, and he wasn't even that. That I mean, he made a Pro Bowl one year, but I mean, that was all about Walter Payton and the defense. So I mean, yeah, it's. Then they had Harbaugh, and I think Tom Zach, and I mean, then you go more recent, like you said, it's like, oh boy. Um, so yeah, Fields is the most probably one of the most exciting guys they've had at that position for a while. But also, I mean, this team is the rest of that team it, it's a lot oddly enough the Bears are a lot like some of the teams under Andy Dalton. I mean they they they're good in a lot of different positions. They're they're stacked. Their defense is really good. Um you know, they've had they have some pretty good wide receivers, but they haven't had the quarterback to get them the ball. I mean they they've been in the playoff hunt. They just it that quarterback position has just been uh, under scrutiny and for for the right reasons so I do think to your point I think they're in a good situation where Dalton could maybe spot start game start the season maybe keep them keep him in the hunt and then as maybe he falters or he's not really uh, you know the fans are calling for fields maybe he takes a back seat but it could be a good mentor type of program there um but I know I know Logie and his affinity for uh, for, for Andy. Hey, Andy, we, we all got a soft spot for Andy. We have, we've all got a soft spot for Andy. Um, let's, let's see where we're going next. Uh, I thought this one was pretty good and it's from one of our regulars here uh, from Brian and Iowa. Did Zach Taylor make a mistake trying to win in the first two years instead of building draft capital? I could see both sides of the coin on this one, but I think I would say No, I think I would say no, he didn't because, number one, I think you lose you, – you can maybe lose a team or lose a locker room that way if if you're maybe thinking of you know tanking for two straight years and all this kind of stuff. I, I don't know that that goes over well, even though the Bengals may have done a bit of that in 2019 to get a Joe Burrow. They would never admit that. Um, but I also think there is also an aspect of first-time head coach get, inheriting a roster – and there was still some talent on the roster, but it was aging and there were some other but he he probably need to be like, what what do I have here? What what who can we keep as I rebuild this roster in, in an image that I want? Who can we keep? And where where are we going from here? So I mean and at some point, even though he may Zach may have known he's got a long leash in Cincinnati, I mean it is what it is. You got to win games and you got to, you got to be competitive. And uh, you know, so I know I don't, I don't think that I, I don't think he made a mistake trying to win the first two years instead of building draft capital. I do think the Bengals should have built more draft capital by maybe, and maybe this goes against the point I just made, but maybe unloading some of these disgruntled players a little earlier than they did getting more draft capital, moving up in the draft and getting more high impact players that's kind of maybe a bit more that I would have liked to have seen instead of the, the usual move backs that they do.
2: Mike Jones and Facebook Zach Taylor was trying to win his first year. Question mark. (laughs) I I think, I think I agree with your sentiment. Um, I think it has to be a combination of both. Like you're not going to, you should never blame the head coach for trying to do his job. Like it's, it's not the coach's job in the sense of actually when, when the games are being played to just, Lose like that just goes against the nature of just the game. And it's just hard to really do that in football compared to other sports, I think. Um, but at the same time, you're right. Like there have been opportunities to just realize that a relationship between a player and team has more or less reached its peak. And there are times where you have to have serious discussions about how can we maximize the end of this investment, the end of this relationship, um, because, you know, when you have A.J. Greens and Geno Atkins and other, you know, longtime veterans just kind of leave on their own accord, it's kind of, you know, satisfying in some sense. But also there's a part of you that says, you know, I wonder what we could have gotten out of those players if we knew that these relationships were eventually going to come to an end and they weren't going to finish their careers in Cincinnati. But at the same time, you know, undoubtedly, Zach Taylor has tried to his best. And at the end of each of his first two seasons, they picked first overall and fifth overall. So it's not like he outperformed compared to expectations. He underperformed despite trying as hard as possible. And I think honestly, that has netted a pretty decent outcome now because you haven't lost the locker room at all. You've shown commitment to trying your best and trying to put the best team out there as much as possible in 32 games, but also you've been gifted two top five picks and two lucrative free agency classes in a row because you've sold the vision of we're trying to win now. We're not trying to you know go the Dolphins route and gain as much capital as possible, but I think they could have done a little bit more in terms of how the relationships with some of these veterans have gone and they could have gotten some draft yeah. capital from like Andy Dalton or maybe more from Carlos Dunlap instead of just pushing that until it, it reached its ugly end and maybe even AJ, AJ Green too. So I think there is a balance that could have been reached there, but I don't necessarily blame him for trying to push his message because that message now, I think you have to recognize that Mike Daniels and other veterans have said it like Zach Taylor, it, he's got the right thing going right now. and It's because of the what he's trying to do in the last two years.
1: Yeah, and uh, before we we'll, we'll we'll be here just a few more minutes and take a couple more questions. But um, the other thing is, you we talked about it with Lindsay the other night, Lindsay Patterson the other night. You know, we don't know exactly how the players responded to the two days off. I would think they probably were like, "Wow, okay." If Zach if Zach told those players said, "Hey, you get the next two days off because we like what you've shown us." We like the attendance level. We know you've got some personal things to take care of, whether it's the vaccination side of things, whether it's go take a trip and rest up and all that kind of stuff. Maybe secretly they were a little bit frightened about more injuries occurring like the one with identity. But if that's the message that he portrayed to that team, I think that resonates pretty well, especially with the veterans. Um, you know, I, I think Mike Daniels, when he was on our show, he was saying, you know, that's a player's coach. That's a guy that that gets it. He understands what, what players – you know, what kind of drives players, what they like to hear, et cetera. So I I know there are some mixed opinions on the Bengals taking a couple of extra days off of their mini camp. But if the message was, Hey, pat on the back, good job, go rest up, go do what you need to do. And we'll be back at it in in training camp.
2: I would think that that message would resonate pretty well. And I think that was mostly part of what it was like, you know, they had 10 practices with perfect attendance and everyone kind of bought in and did what they needed to do. And I think Paul Dana Jr. wrote about this in the athletic, like historically under Marvin Lewis, the last day of mandatory mini camp, it was really just a relaxing day. I think they just like chilled around, played some, played some games in the locker room. It wasn't too serious. So, you know, like they could have done that or they could have done this. And I think with everything that's going on and the urgency to get a, to be fully vaccinated in a month's time for training camp and along with just rewarding all the work that they put in when some teams like the Browns and the Packers, they had inconsistent um, turnouts for their offseason programs. I think it's exactly, it's, it's a hundred percent fine. It's not something that you should be worried about or complaining about as a fan, because there are definitely worse alternatives.
1: Let's get a couple more in here, John. What, uh,
2: what do you see in here? Uh, We missed this from Jeffrey Turner about half an hour ago, but I think it's an interesting one. Which wide receiver do you think this year will have the most yards, who will have the most touchdowns, and who will have the most catches?
1: So, man, I I don't know if I want to answer this because I I feel like I've been sitting on this state your case for like a couple (laughs) of weeks that I usually do. I'll say this, and um, there's another – I'm looking for the question to to pin up here. Oh, here it is right here uh, from Facebook. I'll say this. I, I am expecting big things from T. Higgins this year. I'm am expecting big, and I know Jamar Chase looks like a stud, and and he is a stud, and the the rapport that he already has with Joe Burrow, and the fact that they are staying after practice and working on some things, that's all that's all good. Um, and I know Tyler Boyd is one of the most underrated, I, I, not only receivers but players in the NFL. Um, you know the guy just produces, 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 and I think he's going to be a very valuable target for Joe Burrow. I, I just T Higgins. Lindsay Patterson the other night said, you know, basically he's told us he's 220, but it's a different kind of 220 in terms of his body weight. That means strength. There's a, a little bit extra speed, it would seem um, that that we've we've seen. And uh, you know, really, I go back to this. I've said this a couple of times. We we forget maybe because he's 6'3 6'4 we forget that he's 21 years old last year one of the youngest players on the team if not the youngest player on the team and now he's still kind of his body's still kind of maturing he can add some bulk as he gets a little older here maybe maintain that speed if not increase it which it sounds like it, it's happening at practice i i expect T Higgins to kind of be uh, the the highest producer at this point based on all the hype i'm hearing Nate Burleson's all over him on uh, the the NFL AM crew. So, uh, or good morning football, I guess is now what it's called. I should, should call it that, what what it's actually called, but he's been all over him. And, you know, I, I tend to think T Higgins is going to, going to be one of the the highest producers, if not the highest producer on this team.
2: So in terms of answering the question, do you think he's going to lead yards, touchdowns and catches, or just two of them?
1: I Uh, yards, touchdowns and catches. I will say, I will say yards and catches, but not touchdowns.
2: Gotcha. I can see three receivers leading each one, and I can see Jamar Chase leading every one. I think, just real quick, I think it'll be Chase with yards and touchdowns and Boyd with catches. And, (laughs) you know, like, I don't don't expect Higgins to just be lacking and not playing and not producing. But as much as Higgins can improve athletically, and I think he does have a chance to be a dangerous weapon, I just think that Chase... He's just—he's unlike any other receiver that the Bengals have had in a long time. And there's the Burrow thing, and that—and that's fine, and it's whatever. But I think Burrow recognizes that he's also dynamic and special in ways that Boyd and Higgins aren't. And it'll be interesting to see how defenses approach it. Do they just immediately put, put bracket coverage over over Chase? Does, does Chase garner the attention solely of opposing number one cornerbacks, and does that? allow Higgins to outproduce his projections with Chase now in the lineup. And I think that is a question and variables that need to be addressed early. But I think what we can rely on is that Boyd and Burrow already had that connection last year. We saw it in spades for so much the first 10 weeks, and then Higgins kind of started to catch on as the season progressed. But that connection with Boyd, I think will remain consistent. It's something that we know is tried and true. And I think he will still lead in catches he might he might not get to a hundred because of just how much the ball is going to be spread around but definitely somewhere in like the 80-90 range and I think that is more than enough to be fine as your leading um per, leading receiver in terms of receptions but in yards and touchdowns I just think that Chase has that game breaking ability that's going to give him the edge over Higgins in both
1: yeah, I just I I think that's why I went touchdowns with Chase. I think there is that that game breaking ability, the deep ball ability that's been missing. Um, I, I can see guys like Boyd and Higgins really working the middle of the field and you know, kind of the intermediate passing game a little bit where you set up that big play to chase, right? You kinda mm-hmm. I don't want to call it dink and dunk, but you, you do, you know, the crossers, you do the the tough the, the tough catches across the middle with Higgins Boyd, maybe those out routes get you eight yards, 12 yards, 10 yards. And then all of a sudden, you know, that defense is trying to figure out how to stop those guys. And Oh, by the way, there goes chase for, for a big ball down the field. So that's, that's kind of, you know, and I hope, I desperately hope, desperately hope that those three stay healthy the entire year, because uh, if they're, if they're healthy, that's, that's an incredible trio of wide receivers. I'll let you, uh, I started us off. So I'll let you pick the last one here, John, if you see one um, and then we'll get out of here. Cause we're, We're coming up on a longer
2: show here, but uh, where do you want to go next? So we have a little interesting question on Twitter from at Sam Goody 2021. Who would you want to perform at the halftime show at the Super Bowl the year the Bengals win it? Not Machine Gun Kelly, please. Um
1: unfortunately a lot of the bands I like some of their, their main members have passed away. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the actual, uh, band. I, um, I'd go, you know, I, uh, I, I like a, a lot of alternative rock and stuff. So, you know, a band that, that has a lot of hits and, or, um, songs that I think a lot of people across a lot of generations would maybe know, maybe, um, oh man, uh, like a, like an incubus i don't know if, if you if you listen to them john incubus or um i really like 311 i don't know that they're everybody's taste though and they're maybe not the most family friendly in terms of lyrics sometimes uh so that's a, that's another fun one but um i mean there's a lot of other alternative rock bands that you know from the 90s that i would have really uh liked to see you know i think i think you know kind of a, a there's like the U2s of the world that like a lot of people seem to like and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think they've already I think they performed a Super Bowl a while ago. But that's a that's a hard question. There's, I mean, there's even newer bands I would like to see as well that that I would that, you know, I would I would put out there. What about you?
2: I gave this the appropriate amount of thought, which is just a few minutes, because I think the <laughs> answer is obvious in my mind. The Super Bowl is something that everybody watches. It is a uniter of the world or at least the world that cares about American football and the, the halftime show should be something that can get everyone equally hyped, right? It's it, like, it's already the most watched television program in, in America. And like, you don't need necessarily a great halftime show to make it a great event, but it doesn't hurt. And I think the one thing, the one artist that can unite everybody that everybody can equally enjoy is young hug. If he just comes out, if he comes out, of the halftime show, if he starts the halftime show with digits, I I would <laughs> elevate to a point that I would transcend my physical form. I, 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 it's like that music video from like like 70 where you just like uh, you just rise up to a level of like you're in an <laughs> ethereal plane, and then future comes out with March Madness in the like the middle of it. It it would it it would be the best memory from that Super Bowl, even if the Bengals win it. I want Young Thug with a with a feature from Future. With those those two songs specifically, they can do anything else that they want because their discographies are great. But Young Thug featuring Future at the Super Bowl halftime, hundred percent. What did you think of the one last last year? Uh, weekend, yeah, I I enjoyed the weekend. I thought that was, I'll, I'll be a little bit weird at times and created some memes, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the weekend.
1: Super creative super creative show that he put on I thought that was pretty cool I like buckeye underscore 76 third eye blind that's another rock band I like that's across a lot of ages has a lot of hits all that kind of stuff um, yeah uh, or or some collabs like you were saying you know a couple of different artists maybe maybe some of these from the the 90s 2000s that maybe uh, somehow work with some of the newer stuff I don't know uh, I just I like the a little bit of the older stuff personally but um, you know I'm into some new stuff too but uh, anyway that is uh, that's a good question it's a good question. I, I don't even know what I would do watching uh, the Bengals in a Super Bowl. I've, I I mean, last time I did that, I think it was five or six. I, what would you do, John? Would you be at like a giant party? Would you be like hiding in, in a closet and just watching it like alone? Would you? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how I would watch the Bengals in the Super Bowl and what I would find most enjoyable, quite honestly.
2: So two things with that. One, I guess I would have to work it so I I would unfortunately have to be somewhat sober enough to cover it. Yeah, um, but,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, me but, too.
2: Yeah, but two, like I think, like at, at that point, assuming that the Bengals don't have a first round buy, they would have to play four playoff games to get to that point. I've never seen them win one. So after they win three in a row, I think part of that would kind of ease in, in, in terms of just like like the the nerves of actually seeing it happen. Um, but it would. St- I mean, still, it's the Super Bowl. So like, there's only so much that can be eased in that regard. But I think after seeing them win three playoff games in a row, after never seeing them win one at all, I think that would allow me to be in a setting that other people say that they they couldn't be. Like I know people like don't, some people who watch their favorite team in the Super Bowl they don't like to be around other people. They don't like to be in that relaxed setting, but honestly, like it's a game, like it's a game and they don't know who I am. So there's no reason to get that emotionally invested. I, I put that all the way after they, Fluid in 2015 so i mean whatever i'll be around some friends i'll have some fun but i would still <laughs> unfortunately still have to work it so it couldn't be as drunk as i would want to be <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i just I, I i hope that's a problem i have to come to at some point we've got a lot of people already commenting on our musical styles both uh that you and i i don't know we were they don't agree necessarily with our musical styles real quick. We had a a question that he asked it a couple of times, Austin, Tran, Anthony and John, did you all watch the Dave Lapham YouTube channel podcast? I know he has one. I've seen little clips of it that he started one and hopefully we can get Dave on the show. That would be awesome. Um, we'll we'll try and reach out and get him on the show at some point. Uh, if, if he's open and willing, but he does have a a pretty cool show, John, have you watched any of it or have you listened to any of it?
2: I have, it was weird because the one that I listened to, it was Dave Lapham interviewing uh, Dan Horde, which is like the yeah, opposite yeah. of what usually happens. But yeah. it was fun learning a, a lot about uh, Dan Horde's past. But he's had some pretty good guests on there. So I'll have to catch up on the ones that I've missed.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can reach out to him. It's a, it's a good show. And, um, yeah, he just – and it's funny. He finally – gets on Twitter and it's just, all it is is about the show. You know, it's just a guy we've been clamoring for Dave Lapham to be on Twitter. It would be such a, a fun Twitter follow. And he's he's social media averse, uh, adverse is Dave Lapham. Let's get on out of here. We thank you for all of your questions. We tried to get to as many as possible. And uh, we tried to catch up on some that came our way a little while back as well. We appreciate all the live viewers. If you were unable to watch this live, you can go back and you have to subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, go check it out or get it on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google play or Google podcasts. I guess now iHeartRadio, all the major platforms we um, were on there. So go check out our, our show earlier this week with Lindsay Patterson, the interview there, she gave us like 40 minutes. It was awesome. Go check out the interview that Ace and Zim did with Chris Evans. Check out all the stuff Matt Minnick's doing on his chalk talk and on Cincy Jungle. Am I missing anything, John? Before we hop
2: on out of here, bud. Uh, no, I think we covered everything, man.
1: All right. Well, happy Father's Day to the fathers out there this weekend, and have a good, restful, fun weekend. Hit the grills or the pool or the beach or whatever you got to do to get some relaxing in. John, have a have a good weekend, my friend.
2: Yeah, you too. And if you're joining a Bengal Jim for his rally at, at at the Hall of Fame, um, you know, have fun with that. Be safe, and um, hopefully, it leads to something
1: yeah give us give us some content with that uh put it on twitter or or link give us some links or something we'd like to check that out and or you know if there's a video of what's going on or something like that whether it's from jim directly or if you're there um we'd, we'd like to see it and push it out to to our listeners and viewers too but everyone have a good weekend and we will see you next week